1: Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans for the week of Monday, November 2nd, 2020. As always, I am your host, Robert Vajos. And with me tonight is my regularly scheduled tag team partner, the nomadic Rick Monsey. Rick, how's it going?
2: Pretty good, Robert. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It's a weird deal because it's, light, it's darker sooner, but I've been awake seemingly for a million hours and maybe the apocalypse is coming tomorrow. I don't know. There's a lot going on. And I'm just kind of sitting back here smoking a cigar.
2: Yeah. uh, Tomorrow will be interesting. It'll be interesting. This isn't the platform we usually discuss things like this, but uh, let's just say there's been a lot of roads in California that have been closed down in Los Angeles in anticipation. And I like a fireworks show, so bring it on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because I, I look at, you know, election days are what they are and we're not a political show so we won't get into the specifics i look at it more as a marker of how old i'm getting of, mm-hmm. of just like when i start remembering multiple election cycles and like those can only happen every four years and you, you just start to it's one of the it's one of those markers as you as you get a little bit older where you start realizing you're the old guy that has like a historical reference for every election uh for the right. for the last 20 years and uh, it just makes me feel sad
2: no, I just I I just realized as you were saying four years that we probably won't have the Olympics anytime soon.
1: Yeah, that's the that's another schedule and that's always the summer Olympics is always synced up with the elect- like that's part of the kind of part of the whole deal and it's kind of funny that that that's not the case now and that's going to be a new right. a new clock to 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 kind of deal with. So so hmm. on that shipper note, Rick, Let's yeah. Let's talk. About, let's talk about something really chipper. Let's talk about the uh, the career death of a legend. Over here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Transition could have been better. Yeah.
1: So we know what what it was. It was a UFC Fight Night Halloween edition. Uh, From spooky Uriah Hall. <laughs> spooky <Raya Hall>. Uriah. <laughs> Uriah. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, completely blown the whole deal. Uriah Hall taking on Anderson Silva. Uriah Hall getting the TKO 124 of the fourth round. Um, Uriah Hall basically could have been a stand-in for generic middleweight in this fight. I have heard about four minutes of discourse about what's next or what's coming for Uriah Hall. This is all about Anderson Silva and his supposed last fight. And uh, definitely looked like he earned a last fight status with his performance in this one. I know he got a few scorecards. Early on, but towards the end of that third, um, he was basically saved by the bell, and it didn't latch much longer after that. Any other analysis on the fight, Rick?
2: I mean, I thought Anderson Silva looked pretty good up until the end of the third round. He looked like a hesitant Anderson Silva, but there wasn't a huge difference between what we saw here in the fight against Dick Diaz. I think that if he wouldn't have been touched and knocked out as soundly as he did, We'd have been talking about who's going to be on his last fight for this contract, but yeah, he just got touched by Uriah Hall, who tends to have dynamite in his fists when he chooses to use them, and unfortunately for Uriah Hall, this win's not going to do much for his career, because even though he did knock out Anderson Silva and not dance with him like he said Adesanya did, it just at least that fight, for whatever reason, is a more beloved fight for the aesthetics of it i don't know but i found this fight to be pretty boring hall versus silva up until the knockouts happened and even then i was just kind of glad it was over i think uriah hall getting chased down by anderson silva and throwing the occasional jab and whatnot just didn't produce a very exciting fight
1: no, and 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 as you said, like Uriah Hall, he, he's done an, an anomaly, man. Like you never know what what to make of him because he has the ability, it feels like, to beat almost anyone in the division on like the right day, but he can also mm-hmm. lose to a, a guy with no number next to their name or no legendary status to to speak of. So I I just view him in that middle ground. Like he's generally going to be the guy that you're going to put the up and coming middleweights against. Now with something we're going to talk about later with the upheaval maybe in the middleweight division, there may be a bit of a path for him, but I don't think it's, it's so clear and so direct, but Rick, let's, uh, let's follow the trends and this is all about Anderson Silva. So we'll, we'll continue with that. And let's talk a little silver here. First off, are you surprised how adamant Dana is about this being Silva's last fight?
2: Well, in contrast, he was going to let be. BJ Penn fight until BJ Penn got knocked out by a bouncer. Mm-hmm. So it is a little surprising because he doesn't have a history of letting just being so definitive when it comes to letting having legends retire even against their will. But even though he said he's treated Silva like family and Silva doesn't feel like it's as family as it used to be, I just never felt like Anderson Silva and Dana White were that close to begin with. So he might be just kind of looking forward to getting Anderson Silva off his payroll. I feel like he sent a lot of mixed messages during the post fight press conference saying how much of a legend he thought Silva was and, but how he didn't feel good with Silva going out there. But the one key comment he made was if he, if we knew how much Silva was getting paid by the USC, that we would be astonished. And maybe he just doesn't feel like Silva, Silva brings enough eyes and his career has been a little bit diminished by that drug test, that he isn't worth the money they're paying for him anymore because he is getting beat soundly now. And he's, you know, I think the fans care about Silva and he still has a little bit of weight to the name, but I think it there's a lot more weight when it comes to his name when it pertains to fighters than really I hear from the mass audience, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. I feel like and we're going to talk about his overall legacy in a little bit. He is more of a remnant from a bygone era than a legend that's still in this era. And it's felt like that I've felt for, for quite some time. And yeah, a lot of mixed signals from Dana. It's it, so if you're, if you're trying to read between the lines, it almost has to be business related because it's, mm-hmm. it's totally inconsistent with like letting Diego Sanchez, like go out there till he's, right. till he's into dust. Like the, the, the only, I guess, similar comparison would be Chuck Liddell, but he had a really great relationship with Chuck Liddell. So Again, it is confusing and it's like, you know, hey, I didn't know what, what condition he was gonna be in and uh, like he's seen the St. Anderson Silva we've all seen. So I'm not really sure it it yeah, it's just kinda like this rant I'm going on. The messaging is just is just a little incoherent. No, I agree with the decision. I like I, I wish he made decisions right. like this more often. Like I'm not gonna criticize him for like, you know, I criticize him for when he doesn't make this decision with the likes of BJ Penn and Diego Sanchez. Um, so I I can't then you know retroactively say well if Silva still wants to fight you should let him fight why well, you know yeah you got to be consistent with that and I'll say I agree with the decision I know some some other people were saying well look at that he's still still taking rounds from top middleweights but at that you're also then what you want the guy to be in the meat grinder till he has absolutely zero zero left of him you know I don't really want that either with that said Rick um, is this the end of MMA for Anderson Silva or just is this just the end of his UFC career.
2: Oh, I could see him going to Ryzen or something. Can't you? I think he could get oh, yeah. one more big payday or two more huge main event would be him versus Fedor. Could you imagine if they got him to <laughs> just gain some pounds and do an open wave fate against Fedor, that would be massive. You know, you and me both. Oh yeah.
1: Watch that, that's that. a new year's Eve special right there.
2: Oh, I, I just got excited. And that's the first I thought about it. That'd be huge. So, there's money to be made
1: with Anderson Silva still. I uh, so you always talk about the Weidman trilogy, and I know I wish
2: we could. Have seen and, it, that. and
1: the thing is, is you want to talk like eventually Weidman's going to be in this position, like because he he's one of the he's like like legitimately one of the favorite sons of of the UFC in that way, but he's also very much on the decline. So I, I've I've speculated for years that like eventually Scott Coker is going to book. The big, uh, the big third fight. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Oscar De La Hoya is going to book it. But yeah, we're going to see another Anderson Silver fight somewhere. Like his name, we're, we're saying it's diminished to a point of being like a major UFC star. His name is right. still there though. Like this fight, He's still Anderson. Yeah, this fight night, even though not like I said, not a major thing. Still a little bit more resonance than I think a generic fight night between. Uh, between just, like, two guys that would be fighting. So some promoter somewhere is going to cash in on this name. And I, I don't get the feeling from Anderson Silva, like, he's done, done. He, he, I think he's at peace with being done with the UFC. But, yeah, there'll be another fight somewhere. With the Lucky
0: Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
5: Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also every Saturday we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from Progressing.net joins me and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship plus our first run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the red logo and the blue logo.
0: no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Silva's so annoying sometimes, though. He he was saying, like, you know, this is my, I want to thank my fans and this is it for me. And then, so Michael Bisping just reiterated. So you're saying this is your last fight. He goes, I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe not. And You literally just said that. Like 20 seconds ago. You just said this was it for you. So, then he asked the question just for you to reaffirm, and then you don't. <laughs> it wasn't like he said, this might be the end. He said definitively, this is it for me. And then when he's asked about it, he goes back. Like it, it's That's the one – again, Dana White said it's hard to negotiate with Anderson Silva. So there's a process to it, and now they're not going through that process. I think that process is him saying he's wishy-washy. He goes back and forth, and if I was Dana White – I just wouldn't want to put up with it anymore, honestly. And I like Anderson Silva, but just that post-fight interview is a perfect example of what it's like to probably deal with him. And let's be honest, his past couple fights, these past – ever since the Weidman fight, even before, his fights have been weird. We always say that, like with Anderson Silva fights. They're just kind of weird fights. And so I haven't really been excited about him fighting since he rematched Weidman.
1: Yeah the the decline has been has been interesting to watch on the least and we're we're gonna talk about it in a second. I I think maybe he just he read Terry Funk's book and he realized when you yeah. retire you're just retiring from that promotion, and right. that's and like Terry Funk has maintained that he's like no that was my last time wrestling in that region of Japan that's why that was my retirement so maybe that's where um that's where the spider's coming from. Let's let's talk about let's talk about. How do you want to do this, Rick? Do you want to do you want to talk about his career as a whole, kind of chronologically, or do you want to talk about? Do you want to go in reverse and talk about what we had in the last couple of years? Let's just talk
2: about what we had in the last couple of years because chronologically, his career has been gone over more than anyone else's in MMA history, mm-hmm. even more so than GSP. I think. I, so. I
1: think so too, and I think um, it's an, they're an interesting comparison point because they had a, a peak at a, at a similar time, and there's a certain way that he's beloved. And, and like i don't even want to say less or less or more than gsp but it's, it's just a little bit a little bit different i think his aura was just a little bit different but i think you talk about that aura you got to go back to then when when it was broken the infamous fight at U, ufc 162 and the the ko to Weidman. uh very few kos like are still talked about to this day in that same way uh right. and it's it's weird how it, it it just uh it set his career to a downward path and it's one of those things like i i think this all the time and and in all sports upsets always make sense in retrospect no you know it's rare that you actually call them correctly ahead of time it's always after the fact when you're like okay that's a match of flower this guy's old well i like we never we didn't even acknowledge at the time that silva was getting on in age uh, like we just like we had discarded that and we did that with a lot of we've done that with a lot of people in MMA I feel like we did that with Randy Couture at some point um as well even though he was more of a of a 500 fighter when we did it but we just like we fail to acknowledge sometimes that these guys are into their late 30s and they're gonna lose and it's gonna right. be a bit of a fall and there was there, the the second fight to Chris Weidman is a little weirder because that was that that gruesome leg injury where you know it is kind of d- detached from his foot, and I, and it was uh, it was unsatisfying, but also I think a bit of an indication that like no, he's he's brittle now. He's older. This is a different a different dude. We we go from there to the Nick Diaz fight, which is his last sort of win, even though it's uh, ruled a no contest. He you know he looked pretty decent in that one, but it's also it's my favorite fight like of all time because I love a fight when both guys test positive for different things right at the end which just makes it a, a hilarious um footnote and some of the stuff that diaz was saying after the fact he then is responsible for kind of launching the bisping craze of 2016 as you remember remember they were on fight pass wasn't that fight on fight pass if, if i remember correctly, yeah yeah
2: it was the best fight on uc fight pass period yeah and that, the best. that's like what yeah. launched
1: the the bisping um the Bisping revolution that we had for like a year and a half, that middleweight st- still a great fight still hasn't recovered still- from. Yeah. And really, and, and Bisping, I never thought has got enough credit for that fight either. He
2: talked about it a little bit in this main event that we just saw.
1: Yeah, but he was still hesitant. I'm not trying to bring up my own history with them. He was saying, and right. um, from there, we, we fast forward to UFC 200, which was a mess to make. And thanks to John Jones's positive test on two days notice, he steps in and fights DC. And uh, I guess people in that, Building where you know they were kind of bummed that they didn't get the main event that they were promised. They were happy to see Anderson Silva, and then it was a really boring fight. Um, so everyone was just mad at there. Rick, UFC 208 happens a few months later.
3: Mm-hmm. The
1: great fight, the classic he had with Derek Brunson, mm-hmm. um, where uh, where he he gets the win, but I mean, Brunson clearly won that fight. That was just the weirdest night ever. Uh then he takes a, a little um Usada break for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And we see him against Israel Adesanya, UFC 234. One of the best fights in modern UFC history, you know, don't don't uh, question he's, that.
2: He's being sarcastic, folks. He hates that fight.
1: But it's a memorable fight. I mean, people uh People do uh, do regard it highly and kind of saved uh, saved it main event in a lot of ways. We transitioned from there back in May of 2019, the fight against Jared Cannonier. Um, the poor Jared Cannonier got no love from the crowd for beating right. uh, Anderson Silva, and then that brings us to present day. So everything I just described—that was a brief history of uh, what happened recently with Anderson Silva. The loss to Weidman is July six, 2013. I know seven years ago. So it's been almost a decade since he was any good quite frankly when we talk yeah i mean you
2: just listed off nine fights and on wikipedia only one of them is green with a win he shouldn't
1: have won that one
2: right so in in my opinion in the no contest i still even though i don't really care about the drug things with nick diaz it was a boring fight so the last fight he looked impressive was against stefan bonner in october 13 2012 so yeah he hasn't been relevant in my mind For almost exactly eight years,
1: that's an eternity. And like, think of who's who is on those cards. Like that's again, MMA has completely turned over in in that time. Um, So again, to say like, you know, where is he or what's where's he been? Like, it's been like you see guys like Fedor. Like you give the Fedor example. Like Fedor has like recent wins, like recent ish wins. Um, You know, he hasn't looked great, but he was still able to do some things. I mean, it's been it's been long, cold, and then the drug suspensions have happened along with it, which I think t- how many has he had two? Ah two, but I think he, did he have two or, and I don't want to slander him. I feel like there was a third that he got overturned, but that might be the part of the second one. Oh, okay. But yeah, or the second, the second one is a little more in dispute, but I mean, he still missed two years. Um, but that's, that's not insignificant. Um, uh, at all he also though was a guy that if you talk about the drug thing a lot of guys tested positive after fighting him as well um right and it's also okay again the era so the air like the era really works in a contemporary of his like george st pierre's favor because st pierre never has like a sniff of this and they're the guys that transitioned from like the wild west athletic commission days into the stricter drug testing days and it's like Anderson Silva didn't too, didn't do too well as we transitioned into the stricter drug testing now I'm not saying that's why his decline happened although I mean the, that could be an issue I'm just saying like he didn't do a good job staying out of the headlines for that stuff in that time period whatsoever and, he, and he, you know he his his decline though really does start in that really in the Fox era if you think about it July 2013 it's really that away from spike era um, into the Fox era where it just it takes such a such a sharp dip.
3: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary, void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PWtorch VIP. We have three tiers, including an entry level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Progressing Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast. That's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out. Plus you get the VIP After Shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com slash PW VIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter, the current ones and 20 years ago version. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash PW Torch VIP.
3: Computer solitaire, huh?
4: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase
2: necessary. by law. Eighteen plus.
5: Terms conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Super bad too because. There were some big names back then, not as big as, like, the Conor McGregor's, but you had him, you had the Johnny Hendricks, you had a lot of different guys who, ever since that new era came in, it really did seem to affect fighters. And I'm not saying he's in the same path as Johnny Hendricks as far as what happened to him, but, like you said, the Vitors and everything else, it's just, it was a different era.
1: Yeah, so it's hard to completely judge them by... Right. Like our modern standards. Like we can judge John Jones by that because he's fought almost f- more way more fully in this era and still has um, has his issues. So so that's something it's, it's hard to do because like, OK, nobody, nobody holds that to the guys that fought like in the early 2000s. But at the same time, nobody considers the guys from the early 2000s to be like among the greatest of all times. For what mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it's kind of like kind of like we were talking WWE and you have like pre Hogan and post Hogan. I feel like everything is pre-tough and post-tough when you talk um, talk UFC. It, it doesn't even go down to SEG uh, versus Zufa, even though that also is a distinction and a Mason Dixon line in UFC and MMA history. I really feel like when we talk about it, we com- compartmentalize it purely in the tough era. Part of that because there was just more events too, so it's easier to it's easier to get these things. The sport feels more mainstream. And so he's right at the beginning, and, and you know, quickly again, we don't need to go over his entire history. But again, look, his debut was in 1997. That was his first Jeez. MMA fight, and you know, he has the he has the run in Pride. And he comes into the UFC in 2006, you know, as as a bit of a novelty, and he was part of the furniture for so long. And he's really a good example too of a guy that whose star power has kind of ebbed and flowed. Sometimes I think we, we cast the die on these guys, and you and I, I think do it as well as anyone on any platform. Where it's like, okay, this guy is never going to be a star. This is what he is, and I think that was kind of the wrap on him for a little while. And then all of a sudden, he was like the unbeatable guy and became a big star. And then it dipped again. And if you look at his pay per view numbers, they have they show <clears throat> kind of a similar a similar pyramid where all of a sudden. Him versus Dallas Leites in two thousand nine does does six hundred thousand buys and eight eight hundred fifty buys against Forrest Griffin. Um, later on, although that was helped, uh, and and you know so he has some big pay per view numbers, uh, specifically against Chael Sonnen, and he's also by the way that's part of his legacy is really putting Chael Sonnen on the map in in multiple ways. That's a side part. So he was he was a real big pay per view draw until then, and then all of a sudden. It just kind of falls off again, but it also falls off again in the era where people stop buying pay per views. So he's really in a lot of ways just a representation of UFC history and his his ebbs and flows and the ebbs and flows of other parts and changes in other parts of UFC business.
2: Yeah, I think that you summed it up perfectly. I think him and George St. Pierre, you have to almost talk about them in tandem, but they are very different in other ways. I think. The one biggest gripe against Jordan St. Pierre is, as far as the purists go, he, he had never tested positive for anything. He was a class act. He was well-spoken, very respectful. But he also tended to have fights that didn't go to a finish in some really boring, safe fights. Whereas when Anderson Silva was in the mood to finish someone, he produced some of the most exciting highlight finishes in the history of the sport.
1: Right. And and I think the difference, too, between them is like there there's – there's a, strangely, there's like a relatable feeling to GSP in a weird way in that like GSP kind of is like you or I, but if we trained like so meticulously and became this great MMA fighter, like right. we can never do that because we don't have that drive and, and there is natural ability. Whereas, um, a guy like, like, uh, Silva, he's more, and I, I say this as a term of Enderma, he's, he's more in like the freak show type of MMA, like you can't, you don't have those physical gifts. Like other people just mm-hmm. do not do not have that. I think, again, guys like Israel Adesanya and John Jones, and even even like a Tank Abbott is an example of something like similar to that. Like these guys are kind of just born um, like this, and and a lot of people are born like this. But what makes you great is that you're able to apply that skill and bring in uh, some of that stuff. So that, that's the other thing about him is his fighting style was so unconventional. Like it's one of those things again, similar to, to John Jones and not assign it. Who's often compared with because of body type. But it's like, you would not teach a fighter to fight the way this guy fights, but it no. so worked for him.
2: It worked for him until it didn't. Then it really didn't work for him. Mm-hmm. Then he, his style, once his chin was a little bit more obtainable and not just out of the reach for people, when he started slowing down, it, it, there's a reason he had almost nine losses in a row,
1: yes, because he's either taking the the finishes or he's avoiding contact, and he's getting that pointed right um along the way i uh, I'm not one though that thinks that your end of your career um tarnishes your legacy as much as some people do because I think that's just the cycle of life and the cycle of of sports and and when we think like that, then the only people we can value are the people like a Habib pro last week that retire as champion. Like everybody's going to lose. and Everybody's going to go on a long losing streak. I do think though his resume while he won has actually held up well, pretty well over time. Whereas other guys, even like a GSP and I'm going to this to bring him down. Like we look at like his big fights and like, yeah, obviously there's, there are the BJ pens and the Matt Hughes of the world, but there's also like the Matt Sarah's and the Josh Koschek's mm-hmm. and the Jake shields. Um, and look you can only beat who's in front of you but then you look at like an Anderson Silva and say so, like and some of these wins have gotten better over time and some have kind of leveled out with the Stefan Bonners JL son and twice feeder Belfort Damian Maya Forrest Griffin uh Dan Henderson Nate Marquardt Rich Franklin Chris Lieben like that is that division for a decade right and he beat all of them
2: yeah there's something be said him and GSP I think what is comparable to the two is they've fought all comers and that's something that's a little bit of a throwback and G John Jones kind of does that to a certain extent, but you don't see that a lot of time. I mean, we're going to talk about a middleweight champion right now who's jumping divisions, but just to have someone just defend the title without trying to get money fights and just going and from the next guy to the next guy to the next guy. That's kind of cool.
1: You the UFC in that era was built on that, like that's what built the foundation for the rules to be broken. But you had to have that at least first. And as you said, I think that's a good point. It's it is a bit of a throwback um, um, to that to to think of it. I guess Jones is Jones is similar in that he would take he took on everybody within his division and waited like you know a decade before before he stepped out of it as well. So I guess that would Jones in that way would also be a throwback. And and again, like, I, I don't want to constantly like, well, who's the greatest of all time and where to compare it? Definitely on the Mount Rushmore. And I think as the reason why, like in other sports, you have to wait five years to go into a Hall of Fame. It's for a good reason. Like you need to contextualize people's careers. And especially right. oftentimes like in the other sports, like, yeah, the last few years of that guy's career was awful. So you just remember him as being bad. And, and I think as time goes on, you start looking at like what he actually did. Um, I, I, I hope, I hope it holds up. Well, part of the problem again is that in MMA, we're so quick to just declare whatever we're seeing as the best that's ever happened. Um, and that's part of MMA promotes itself that way. And we buy into that as fat. Someone gets two wins and suddenly they're the best ever in the history of the division. Um, I hope, I hope he holds up better because he was, he was important. You know, even like little things, I was thinking about it today. Like the first MMA event I ever held a party for was Anderson Silva versus James Irving. Cause it was free. And I held a little party at this house when I moved in here 12 years ago. And it was like one of the first MMA events I ever had. And I think, like, yeah, he's, he's kind of omnipresent. Even, even in times when I wasn't following MMA as close, he wasn't a crossover star in the way like a Rousey or McGregor are. But if you're, if, right. if you were at least into sports, he was the UFC guy for a decade.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And he had his fans, but he also had his detractors. A lot of people were happy to see him get knocked out.
1: Yeah, um, can we reset uh, Chris Weidman's very jumbled promo? Do you remember that that night? Mm-mm. Let me see if I if I can look it up uh, real quick. Uh, Rick, any any words you want to add while while I'm doing that on that?
2: I just I think that as far as. A uh, fight that you can go out on. This wasn't the worst in the entire world. He, he looked good until he got knocked out, and he had the sympathy of the fans. And like Bret Hart would say, I think, it was Bret Hart who said, "If you're going to go out, go out on your back."
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: He is I and I am him and I'm... Matt Taven, the real Ring of Honor world champion. And you know how I show everyone that I get it? By tuning in to the Podcast of Honor with Tyler and my personal main man, Ryan. This is Ryan. And I'm Tyler. And we are the hosts of the wildly popular PW Torch VIP show, Podcast of Honor.
2: Our show covers everything Ring of Honor wrestling from analysis, show recaps, and wide-ranging interviews with the stars of Ring of Honor.
4: Download the Podcast of Honor each week and support the best podcast on the PW Torch VIP network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands on environment and a team of industry experts to support your project we'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned from product selection to delivery coordination at ferguson bath kitchen and lighting gallery your project
3: is our priority see the latest designs from your favorite brands including gin air at your local ferguson showroom
1: yeah i'm trying to find it. he said something to the effect of. He's trying to, I'm trying to, I'm like being the Bruce Lee of MMA. He like mixed metaphors. He was so excited. Um, And now I can't find, now this is going to kill me. Uh,
2: You'll think of it. Yeah,
1: but it was, it was like, it was something like, like the, it, it was, it was a genuine moment where the guy, I think, was so um overwhelmed with excitement that he, he almost, he almost couldn't believe um what he had done. And which and it's a natural he that was a big swing. Like that was that's a huge moment in, yeah, in MMA history. And we talked about it. Um, SB Nation now rebranded as Secret Base. They did a, a decline of Anderson Silva uh, video, a couple which of, is great. A couple, it's a great yeah. recommend it. Like that's a it's a much more detailed version of what I went over, um, with, with with you just now. And I would go ahead and check that out. And like that, it's funny that that website, um, basically, based their two major MMA videos off of that loss. Because it's also the one Ooh. they used in the fighting in the age of loneliness, as to right. sort of represent the the sea change and everything with MMA. It's 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 era defining in a way that I don't think we appreciated as much at the time. But that really is that loss. You look at when that happened, 2013. You have that down year in 14, but those those Silva Weidman fights kind of happened around the time Rousey came in, leading into McGregor. So that really was um, an era changing um, an era changing knockout.
2: Yeah, it's it's the equivalent to what happened with Mike Tyson. You know, it's just that one night in Tokyo. It's a big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if if Chris Weidman then was able to come and uh, be a special guest for Hulk Hogan after the fact, though. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No. Rick, why don't I'm still looking for this damn uh, Chris Weidman thing. Why don't you uh, you run down some of the highlights of the rest? Sure. Bryce Mitchell versus
2: uh, Andre Touchy Feely, Andre one of the worst names in, in MMA history, was a disappointing fight in my opinion. I think Bryce Mitchell looked good in the first round with over three minutes of t- control, and Andre Feely looked good in the second round, and then Bryce Mitchell went back to control in the third round. I know that a lot of people have been giving each other flack about calling this fight boring, especially the people who are wrestling purists, because the kind of domination that Bryce Mitchell showed is impressive. But let's just say when you're watching it at 8, 730 in the morning, this morning, it'll put you right back to sleep. The one interesting point is not the performance of Bryce Mitchell, but the fact that the UFC let him have uh, camo pants or camo shorts when he went out there. He's apparently the only the second fighter in the Reebok history with usc to allow that to happen uh, customized shorts Sh- the first one was con mcgregor
1: didn't didn't o'malley have some too or no that was just the shirt he got
2: i think that was a shirt oh, okay. so this is only a second time according to the announcers which i find to be in a res- ridiculous statistic in the example as to why we're excited about the venom deal they should have been doing this from day one so it's just and, so and, and, stupid. And, yeah, Bryce
1: Mitchell is the guy. Bryce Mitchell and Conor yeah. McGregor. Those are the guys. Like, yeah, right.
2: It's just so dumb. There, I could have. You know, it, it's infuriating that that's actually a statistic. Morris Green versus Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy yet again got another KO out there. TKO victory.
1: Can we talk about him becoming the first ever heavyweight to miss weight?
2: Did he? I didn't even. Mm-hmm. I, I missed that fact. Really. Mm-hmm
1: first heavyweight in UFC history to go above. of course the upper he li- is. of course of course of course he if is. there's any bit of unprofessionalism at the where it's, where it's never happened before right inhaler
2: missing weight as a heavyweight it makes perfect sense he did knock out morris green with the a really it's like a shovel jab it was really weird it's like an almost an uppercut and then green went down and greg hardy followed up with ground and pound and more, more green is getting made fun of a little bit online because he yelled at her dean i was still moving so now he's maurice i'm still moving green but he he looked pretty much finished in that fight and then we had kevin holland versus charlie Antaveros. this one ended a little awkwardly with a uh, charlie getting body slammed by kevin holland and then Charlie looked like he had broken something in his neck or his shoulder. He didn't verbally tap or he just looked like he was in a lot of pain and the ref got in there and stopped it. It was kind of a scary moment and for Kevin Holland seemed a little apologetic afterwards not like after the fight but like in his social media posts about how he clearly hurt Ontiveros and was celebrating and jaw jacking with the champion Adesanya and meanwhile this guy could have been paralyzed. It wasn't the best look in the entire world. But that's okay. It's understandable. Bobby Green versus Tiago Moises. Uh, Bobby Green sure felt like he won that fight and by his reaction in the post-fight. And I don't think he did. And I think the one thing about Bobby Green I keep saying is that that guy looks like he should be really good. And he acts like he should be really good. He's got that attitude, that swagger, that look. But he, in my opinion, is one of the most boring fighters out there who puts on hard-fought fights. And I just never look forward to seeing him fight. Did I miss anything so far on the main card?
1: No, you're you're checking out. That was that was Good. the the entire main card. Um a lot of finishes on this night.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of well in the prelims, especially. Like you had the main event of the prelims, Alexander Hernandez, the great Alexander Hernandez knocking out his opponent in a really devastating boxing combination. And I thought that he looked impressive, but I think it's also very humbling, and he understands it, too, to be relegated to the main event of the prelims when he was so touted and high-respected, and hopefully he uh, keeps getting impressive victories. And then the fight before that, that's one of the most impressive knockouts, is Adrian, Adrian Yanez versus Victor Rodriguez. That kick that Yanez hit Rodriguez with was wow, Rodriguez is like running away, and Yanis hit him with it, and it was just he fell down like a sack of potatoes. Sean Strickland went against Jack Marshman. Oh, which, man. Uh, yeah, and Sean Strickland won. And Sean Strickland did something I haven't quite seen done as effectively or as funny as someone has done, and that is just talk tremendous trash to his opponent. And the last two minutes of the round, Sean Strickland was just yelling at him. Sean Strickland has a very steep fame sort of voice booming, and it was funny. He was like, come on, Jack, why don't you just go down? And just yelling stuff like that was hilarious. <laughs> He's
1: like Triple H was, was, in a, in a yeah, silent main event.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. Then you got Cole Williams versus Jason Witt. Jason Witt submitted Cole Williams in the second round. Uh, Cole Williams looked like he, – he, the crimson mass, the proverbial crimson mass. He just looked like he was not going to make it to the second round, and he did. And unfortunately for him, he got beat to a pulp and then submitted. It was it was pretty brutal. That's where a lot of the blood from the on the cage by the U.S. Army logo was coming from. And then Dustin G- Jacoby versus Justin Ledette. Dustin Jacoby versus Justin Ledette. That was a cool KO right there. Jacoby's back, and he looked pretty good for the light heavyweight division, and he could be a real threat. And then the first fight was a Bantamweight fight versus Miles Johns and Kevin Dad. Sorry for all the mispronunciations. That was a KOTQ. Good stuff. I mean, it was an interesting card. It just, you know, it's one of our ESPN Plus cards where a lot of. A lot of knockouts, some cool fights, some boring fights. It had pretty much everything. I, I enjoy watching these fights, like how we do now on ESPN Plus. It's it's a plus, as they would say.
1: Yeah, and I talked about it last week. It's taken some of the some of the fun out of our show, honestly, because we don't comment on all the little nuances on them. But I feel like we have a fuller analysis because we get to focus on the fights now.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: Okay. So I. I found the clip and I couldn't hear it well because the crowd's actually cheering so loud. But I I did pull up an old Sherdog forum page, which if you want to like observe the decline of society, just go on the Sherdog forums. They're they're amazing. Um, but someone said here, uh, "Dirty Dirk" was the username. <laughs> did Chris just say God? He's like the Bruce Lee of MMA. Is that what, is that what we heard? Wow! <laughs> I have no idea what that means. If anyone could further transcribe, God is like the Bruce Lee of MMA. Uh, MMA livecast at gmail.com. Um, go ahead and Ooh. go ahead and hit us up there. So that's what that was a reference to. I the little like little things bug you, Rick, and we make fun of them, but like obscure things bug me, and I, I just wanted to get to like the bottom of it. And um, and I'm glad for you, you were picking up the the segment there as I uh had to indulge myself. And uh, and, do you a, feel better now? A little bit, yeah, like I felt I felt more okay, good. good, um, quickly, Rick. Probably the biggest news actually out of this weekend in MMA was in the middleweight division, not in the main event, but actually, uh, Israel Adesanya moving up to face Jan Blachowicz in the near future for the light heavyweight title. That, um, maybe I shouldn't have been shocked about it because you know we we're kind of joking about it, but I was a little floored when I heard that. What was your reaction, Rick?
2: I was shocked. I, I that to me came out of nowhere, but then Dana Wada explained that he was trying so hard to convince Bobby Knuckles. And Adesanya to finally have that rematch, and Robert Whitaker didn't want it. So what are you going to do? The middleweight division right now is heavy, but there's not a clear-cut contender for the champ right now. So he just decided to move up. I still feel like he's not that big physically. He's long, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would like to see him
1: stand next to like a John Jones because you know they're like they're compared lengthwise. But I feel like like someone like Jones would dwarf him
2: i do too i just it's hard for me to imagine him being that big but if if he can be then yeah he can i just don't know if i see him moving back down once he's gained that's a lot of weight to gain that's 20
1: pounds yeah
4: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win
1: Harley, remember the
0: days when women's wrestling matches were relegated to the mid-card dumping ground and treated like a glorified intermission?
4: You mean the era when it was only men in the top spots in the main events getting the biggest matches every night?
0: Yeah. Hmm. Vaguely. Seriously, while we might have a long way to go, we really have come a long way, baby. And that's why we started Grit and Glitter a podcast covering the best in the world of women's wrestling.
4: From the horsewomen of WWE to the goddesses of stardom and everyone in between. Each Tuesday, Emily, myself, and our team of guest correspondents talk the best matches and the biggest news in women's wrestling.
0: Plus, interviews, deep dives, and discussions about everything from media representation to gear to women in behind-the-scenes roles.
4: Just search PW Torch in the podcast app of your choice to subscribe or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at Um,
1: Interesting too, I think on the light heavyweight side, because uh, a byproduct of, of how we got to, and it wasn't an interim champ, it was, it was a vacant title, but how we got there was all the like, all the guys work their way up the ladder to, to get to, like, the John Jones fight. So uh, right. there's a lot in that division that's kind of settled at the moment. So it, it's not like, oh, man, we got to get... With the exception of the main event this week, it's not like, oh, we got to get Anthony Smith uh, a main event or Alexander Gustus. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not in the cards right now. All these guys have fought each other. So, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't love it either, though. Like, you know, it's like him... Adesanya pursuing another belt—that in and of, of itself is never that interesting to me. It's who you're pursuing the belt against that I would find fascinating. I find like the potential of John Jones versus Francis Ngannou or Stephen Miocic super intriguing. I don't know, and that's a little, that's a bad example. Um, but like, I didn't care that Henry Seguro was going to fight for the White title. Like I wasn't against it, but, no. but it's, it's not something, it's not like a super interesting fight that I would have really looked forward to. I think the matchup still has to be good. And so that's where I'm a little cold on this as
3: well.
2: I just don't care about the Polish hammer that much. I make fun about how I want his t-shirt as soon as they come out with it and everything, but he's just not that interesting of a person of a personality. He's a good fighter and everything and I have nothing against mm. him, but him and, I feel like he's going to dwarf out of Sonya too. He's a big dude. He, had, he could easily be a heavyweight. Yeah,
1: Josh Barnett is a pretty big dude. Um, so I, I also think – and kind of contradicted a bit. Josh Barnett. Didn't you say he looked like Josh Barnett? Did I? Yeah. Yeah, he does. He looks does. like Josh yes. Barnett. He's like yeah, a smaller yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh yes,
2: Barnett. Yes, that's right. I said that. If he would have shaved his head. You're, no, you're right. Sorry. God, you get my references. and I, don't know.
1: I, I I spend way too much time talking to you per week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then going back over and trying to clean up the audio. Yeah,
3: I really, I, <laughs> you,
2: you, you, you got a reference I made forever ago and oh my God, we're like a, like a married couple at this
1: point. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. <laughs> so oh, oh, on that too, it's like kind of contradicting what I said earlier. Like, the The division is kind of settled, so there's not a natural contender. But at the same time, part of what also makes it un- uninteresting is it's not. It's also not a clash of titans. It's a clash of one titan from a from a, a division, but it's not a clash of two titans. Two guys that have cleaned it out. and Now they're going to settle it um, at a different weight class. But it's it's happening. So brace for impact. It's a weird
2: fight, though. I just i I don't know. I I really I'm more interested to see them. Side by side.
1: Yeah, and and the funny thing about it's a weird fight. Like if this was if this was a pay per view main event under other circumstances, like it just it'd be like, oh, what an underwhelming uh, main event we have here. But then you know they're gonna try to sell it. Obviously, champion versus champion. So, yeah, we'll see.
2: It still kind of like caught me off guard.
1: Yeah. um this week's card though, I don't know if it's gonna catch you off guard. It's kind of the it's kind of the answer to who, of the light heavyweight. Who, who you know, who else in light heavyweight, lest we forget the man Thiago Santos, the legend. Um, so this is weird. This fight's been booked like fourteen times, and uh both guys and their camps can't stop testing positive for COVID. So we'll see, we'll see if it happens yeah. uh going to this just one. Just tell COVID no. Yeah, just say no. Nancy Reagan told us all those years ago. Just say yeah. no. So Tiago Santos you know the, the proverbial guy that got put over in a loss he was the first guy to quote unquote beat John Jones at UFC 239 looked great in that fight and was pretty injured I think uh, uh, throughout it as well and then he's been that was July of, of 2019 he's been on the shelf since then of course he had a few fights booked uh, previously but like he's he, he came out of that thing, I think, with more shine than he went into it with. And so people have really wanted to see what he could do. And it's kind of like, hey, John Jones isn't even in the division anymore. And you wonder right. how much the presence of Tiago Santos uh, facilitated that. Go over to Shara, kind of old, reliable guy, like I feel like we've talked about a million times in this fight. Last seen in uh, the second fight after the UFC's return from the lockdowns, uh, just dominating Anthony Smith I and mean, knocking Anthony Smith's teeth literally out of his face. And we look at what people have done lately. Uh, he's on a four-fight winning streak, defeating Nikita Krylov, Lon Kubiletta, Carl Robinson, last last to Corey Anderson back in July of 2018, and had beat Misha Surkinov Shurkin- before then. So he had won a lot of fights. Again, he's 41 years old. It's Uncle Glover, as John Jones likes to call him. Um, I don't see this fight going well for Glover uh, against the very young 36-year-old Thiago Santos. Um, but I'm into this main event, Rick.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a good main event. This is going to be that static electricity that you get when these main events happen, and anyone's punch can just knock the other guy out. I, It's funny because Glover has now become infamous for knocking out Anthony Smith's teeth, but Rumble Johnson knocked out Glover's teeth when he got hit with one of the uppercuts from Rumble, so I guess it's a fair turnaround. But then, as far as this fight goes, I don't know about teeth coming out, but I definitely see some... Glover light kicks in the direction of Tiago Santos. And I see Tiago Santos just trying to beat the living pulp out of uncle Glover. So I I
1: got Tiago in this like you probably do, but I I I
2: wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't either. Glover's a good enough fighter and he's, he's fighting so well. Um, somebody there'll be retirement talk for somebody at the end of this, just guaranteed just because it's going to, it's going to end so violently that it'll be like, well, should, you know, you know, Thiago Santos is 36, and he already has his best shot. Or, you know, Glover's 41. He's fought everybody. There's nothing left to prove. We will have a, a retirement discussion it's, next week. It's interesting, too, that
2: these both guys are Brazilian, right? So it's it's kind of like mm-hmm. – I don't know because they're used to – it felt like back in the day when we were talking about Anderson Silva and stuff, there have been fights that haven't happened because they didn't want to do Brazil versus Brazil. So obviously that's not an issue for – am I crazy? I feel like that used to be a thing. With certain fighters, like from the mm-hmm. same camps and everything, like Silva would never fight Layvin Machida, for an example.
1: Right, right. No, that was a thing, and I don't know if just because, um, I don't know if I don't know why that's changed. Like I don't know if MMA has grown so much, so these guys, yeah, they live in the same country, um, but they're further apart. Like I, I, I just honestly.
2: Um, well, they might not even live in the same country anymore. Like they're both from Brazil, but one might be training in Florida. One might, you know, it just
1: Glover lives. I don't, I think Glover lives stateside actually.
2: Yeah. So I don't think it's as big of a deal as it used to be, but uh, it would be interesting though, if they had so much respect for each other, that it kind of was a disappointing fight, which I don't, I'm not saying that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's so much on the line in this fight. Yeah.
1: Especially with now upheaval in your division. At the top, like there's there's a, an urgency. You had, I think, two major events. You had your champion depart, and you have your other champion involved in one of these fights. And those fights always screw up things more than even we anticipate. And sometimes these, so these fights, end up meaning a whole whole lot. Um, you know what's not going to mean a whole lot is another Andre Orlovsky fight. But here he is taking on Tanner Boser. My uh, oh, lord. Uh, yeah, T- talk about a guy who's not going to have retirement talk after this because. It's- We'll just never um, have that talk, but it's uh, what what did he do last? I don't even know. Yeah, he he beat Philip Lenz at that Smith versus Teixeira at that uh, at that fight. That's the last time we saw him. Before that, he had got taken out by Jared Rosenstruck pretty brutally at For thirty Uf- seconds at UFC two forty four. <laughs> so I don't know. So we see so where were we on the cycle? We're on the he wants. So he's gonna lose this one just by uh yeah he's gonna or- win, Orlovsky lose math yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, by Arosky math, he's going to lose the next three, and he'll still somehow have a UFC contract, and then he'll fight Junior Albini for the 8 billionth time. And, uh, I'm not looking forward to this fight. They
1: better bring in Tim Sylvia to to set things correct.
2: Jeez. Uh, this is just Tanner Bowser. Huh?
3: <laughs> Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the three-weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other Pro Wrestling Media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com.
1: The, the rest of the card really kind of falls off uh, after that. You have an Ian Heinish fight against Brandon Allen, which might be okay. Uh, Claudia Gadelia taking on Yang Zoyan. Claudia Gadelia, um, not not what she used to be, but I think could,
2: no. could stop. How's your fan club going?
1: Th- that's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I think the fan club was for Jessica Andraj. I just admired the, uh, the ability of somebody uh, not to, which uh, I stand by by Jessica Andrade fandom. Claudia Gadelia, it's like, this woman is tough as nails like why is she not dead in this fight which so but it's not like i never thought i never saw a future just i just like i was so fascinated uh by the one-sidedness of that fight but it wouldn't end
2: i i have a fighter who is kind of the equivalent that to that to me like i mean my my jeremy stevens fan club isn't on fire right now Uh, but you know we're, we're doing our best the little. He's uh, trying to
1: get si- behind him. Yeah, side note, wasn't Stevens uh, scheduled for this card at some point? Oh,
2: was he? Let's look. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Scheduled to place however Stevens was forced to draw on a exciting entry. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then... Well,
2: I'm uh, glad he... I, Arnold Allen would have probably murdered him or something. <laughs> I'm glad he got out of that fight.
1: Um, um, and not um, Trevin Giles versus Bevan Lewis. You got a Max Griffin fight. Darren Alkins, Rick. This is. I think he's kind of like a a Cladier, a, a Claudia Adelio figure for for you. Yeah, his name. His name's literally the damage.
2: It is, and that's what he's probably going to be getting if he keeps getting these fights. Brain damage. He needs to be careful. He needs to be really careful. He's someone. Max Griffin. Then you're right. That's a name that like he's been around for ever and nobody cares like god how long has he been fighting the ufc Mm -hmm. uh
1: 2016
2: that's it
1: yeah doesn't feel like he's
2: been around the ufc a lot longer than that
1: yeah but you gotta remember like in that in these these years i I sound like such an old timer these are the dog years of mma there's so many fight cards that like if, if if you've been around for five years that means like we've seen you lots of times
2: and speaking of dog years and everything, this is probably one of the worst event posters I've ever seen. You barely can see who's on it. It's <laughs> it's, their, their names is like washing out in the green. Well,
1: I was going to say, because I was going to have a little fun with uh, Darren Elkins' tattoo. This um, poster looks like a tattoo cover-up. Like, that's not complete It really yet. does. It looks like they were trying to blurt out the Santos and Teixeira. Like, someone got that as lettering, and they're trying to put their faces on to, like, it's like yeah, there was no a creativity. Photoshop
2: job on my phone. Well, because
1: all they did was put the transparent filter on the names. Like that's all they did. Like yeah, people can, like I can't, but people uh, could easily, I think, make one of those.
2: I think I could make a better poster.
1: Yeah, we should uh, we should put that challenge out to people to for them to make, uh, like like to be like the boss logic challenge. See if you could. But only on like yeah. only on random paper, random shows like this ones. So
2: did you see his uh, Habib thing with his dad as a ghost? Yeah, like yeah. that was great.
1: Isn't he getting paid now by somebody? I think to do him or something. I think he's should be. I think he's co opted at some point. Actually, yeah, he definitely deserves to to make uh, some cat instead of getting the copyright strikes like he used to on Twitter, um, <laughs> which was kind of uh, kind of crazy. Um, okay, Rick. So this is really a fascinating main event, and then. Um, just not a lot after that. Mm. Yeah. Still watch it. Still watch. It. I, I mean, that's what we could have said about this card, this card, this last week, I didn't even think I had to watch the main event, but there was quite a bit, um, coming up after that the
2: main event of this is a lot better than the main event of the pay-per-view we got coming up or the fight night right after this. So, you know, just appreciate just, what we got. Yeah, oh, enjoy,
1: curse- enjoy good stuff when it's there. Exactly. Because right. It doesn't happen all the time. Um, Okay, Rick, I think uh, I think we can basically put the week to bed uh, right there. Any uh, any streaming recommendations though for the good people this week? Now that uh, life is returning to normalcy for you.
2: Oh Lord, Becca had one. It was about Netflix show about chess. <laughs> I don't remember what it was called, though. For the life of me, right now. I besides that, uh, going recommendation which I just gave. I can't wait to watch the Borat movie. Haven't seen that yet, but I've heard mixed reviews. So that's something I'm looking forward to watching mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. And uh, The Gorillas, like I said, had a new album that I haven't heard yet. So I've been pretty, I just got out of the bubble working on a show. And so I'm going to plug back into the one thing I really want to watch is The Vow on HBO Max. It's about that cult Uh that the leader would brand his uh, harem. Did you ever hear about that? The women that were in the cult, some of them were actresses and stuff. He had his initials on a brand and he would brand their hips. I've heard about him for years and they finally did a full eight episode documentary about him because they have some footage from inside his uh, cult that got released. So it's called the vow.
1: Wow. And so you're, yeah, you're, you're backed up on, uh, on stuff to watch. I, I got a report from the front lines here, Rick. Uh, mm-hmm. The the nine zero two one zero binge is still going, Oh my
2: god! <laughs> but is it, that why you've had such a crazy weekend? Because you put off everything because you've just been glued to the television watching that.
1: So you're you're not you're, denying you're you're hitting on some forms of reality, It's not that. Okay, because because I'm not the one facilitating this. I'm kind of just a third party that. So, but what happens? I'm very busy this last couple of weeks, and occasionally I will go into the other room where it's on, and I'll get stuck in a storyline that I have to ask questions about how we, how we got here and stuff. And it delays productivity. So you're not completely wrong. Also, apparently not every episode is on Hulu. There's missing it. Really? Ep- and I've, I figured it out. Like there's missing episodes and then you could find them on like daily motion. And like you rec as soon as it, as soon as the episode starts, like last night, um, <laughs> so there was one on daily motion. I was watching and like the mighty, mighty Boston start playing. Like, okay, they couldn't secure the music rights for that one and it's and it's like okay how come they can't overdub also the way like you know but i guess it's different when you don't own the original content in some form right to alter what it is and all that and i was like so now some of the episodes get transferred to the ipad um on daily motion in mirror view like the person totally recorded it like and so the wordy, you know if there's a little caption at the bottom it's it's reversed and uh we're in the later seasons um i really makes me really appreciate tv nowadays how much tighter it is made me realize yeah it, it also you can see it like with pro wrestling when you just have to create so much content there's so much un like irrelevant storylines and characters that come up and have no value to anything that's happening whereas now it's like you have to watch a 10-part a series on netflix and every shot is so deliberate um yeah that, everything that, means something and back in the 90s it just it it wasn't there was just there's a lot of filler
2: A lot of fluff, even, even like shows that were good, like X-Files and stuff had a lot of fluff. Try doing a show like Chernobyl on HBO back in the nineties. You probably couldn't really, you know, I think Twin Peaks was a rare example and people keep citing The Sopranos, but that was coming on in the late nineties. So, well, that's,
1: that's kind of the transition into like that. What did they say? The, the quality TV or there's a word for it, right?
2: Yeah. The quality drama and then Sopranos took it and, uh, it, then breaking it, bad yeah, kind of like took AMC
1: it. era yeah
2: oh her show is called the queen's gambit by the way the queen's gambit that's yeah, about chess yeah okay yeah and uh i would hi- i would suggest watching reno 911 on quibi mm-hmm. the show i worked on last season uh and the show i'll just say it, the show i was bubbling for i was on reno 911 again this season but uh quibi's gone
1: we got the ET music exclusive. So that's where you are.
2: Yeah, Quavo's yeah. gone, uh, announced by the uh, Wall Street Journal last Wednesday. But uh, I'm sure Reno and I will find a home somewhere else, and uh, I'm excited to see that in the future. Did,
1: did you? If, did you leak it to the Wall Street Journal? No, no,
2: we all were on set, and our everybody started looking at their phone, and we all found out at the same time, and we had a meeting about it, and it was interesting. Quibi was an interesting idea, uh, but it just did not work.
1: No, it's got, it's got to, it's got to be refined. So again, I said it last week. In like five years, somebody will figure out what they were trying to do, and like figure out like the couple things that they didn't do absolutely correct. Also, your property I think was one of the more choice ones. Um, there were some other ones that I think were more third tier properties. And at the end of the day, what is it? We can do all this with delivery systems you have to like the shows and that's, I think always what it comes down to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, let's hope that this main event's good and it stays together. And no one gets tested positive for COVID. I hope they study for the test. <laughs> All right. So if
1: they study for the test, that's hilarious. That w- that's what I, I, I got tested for COVID. Like,
2: nine times in the past two weeks so i would always say to the nurses i've been studying they're like for what for the test and they're like it's the dumbest joke ever and super insensitive i, I, like,
1: I wonder how many times though has that been that that's their job have they heard that as well <laughs> like i don't know
2: <laughs> at least once a day from me <laughs> those poor souls
1: all right so If you want to interact with me, though, and uh, discuss um, 90210, because apparently that's all I've got going on these days, (laughs) go ahead and send me a tweet. Robert Vajos at Rob M. Vajos. That's R-O-B-M-V-A-L-L-E-J-O-S. Go ahead and send me a tweet over there. If you want to email the show, inbox was dead this week. Livecast at gmail.com. That's M-M-A-L-I-V-E-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to go ahead and find out all the ladies in pro wrestling, we didn't discuss it today, but pretty good episode of SmackDown last Friday, at least with the main storyline. Monday Night Raw is going on right now. Um, AEW is gearing up for the November pay per view. Go ahead and check out pwtorch.com, and of course, always go VIP for all that top shelf audio. They got some redesigns on the logos that look pretty cool tons of good stuff over there and even if you go VIP, the best part I think is always the archive stuff, the way back stuff whether it's audio from a long time ago all the way back to like 1993 some of the stuff Wade's been posting lately to current audio, Bruce Mitchell, Todd Martin, Zach Haydorn, all the gang is, is all there giving quality wrestling analysis, but that is going to do it for us this week on this average MMA analysis we gave this week, so for Rick I've been Robert, we are done, we are out of here stay safe and we'll talk to you next week
5: Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at pwtorchdailycast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com i you.